a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original Moto Podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the RacerX online podcast presented by Fox Racing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Foxhead.com, visit your local guys. Fox dealer, if your dealer doesn't have Fox, go to another dealer. They should have Fox. Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon, just a few of the guys that wear Fox. And uh, we're pumped and pleased. Actually, Colton Fossiati will be wearing Fox soon, maybe by the time you hear this. If not, it's a scoop for you. But uh, a lot of guys wear Fox. And the reason I bring that up about Colton Fossiati is because in studio with me, doing a bit of podcast about Atlas Brace, about his days racing down here, and a few other things. The Noof, Ryan Lockhart. What's up, Noof? Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, <clears throat> thanks for coming in. I think people. I think a lot of people know you. Uh, I just came back. We just came back from Anaheim too, and you seem like you knew more people than I did in the pits. So that was good. Um, but you, you know, you've raced pro forever. National Canadian National number six, Canadian National number nine. Am I missing anything? Obviously, uh, a lot of higher other numbers, but a lot of other numbers, but nothing worth talking six about. Six and nine. Sixty-nine, one year, two thousand one. Oh yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. That was a. Classic year. Also, uh, national winner, yep. Deschambeau, mm-hmm. who can forget. Um, so, yeah, the RacerX Online podcast and presented by Fox Racing, foxhead.com. Um, first off, new, uh, your new gig, you, you're still racing uh, in BC and locally up there and doing well in Arena Cross Series. And you even race up, you race about three nationals a year or whatever. But Atlas Brace is your main gig. You work for At- Atlas Brace and uh, Matrix Concepts up in Canada. Atlas Brace owned by a Canadian, a Canadian company, partially owned by some people in the USA and, and Eddie Cole's kids and, mm-hmm. and Brady Sharon, of course, Atlas Brace. So, um, But neck braces themselves, like we saw everyone wearing the Liat for a few years when they came out after Ernie got hurt. We know the David Bailey thing. But now we've kind of reached the, the neck brace level where I think it's um, at a nice level right now. Not as many guys are wearing them, but they're still accepted. Um, where is the neck brace world right now to you? Where's it at? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it went through its challenging times. Um, like you said, it's at a good place right now. There's guys still wearing them. Sales are good. Amateur level, still tons and tons yeah. of guys are wearing them. But uh, it's a it's a touchy subject for a lot of people. And It it's... is. You know, uh, it'll be the first time I interrupt you of many. Um, <laughs> no, you, you get that. You get people saying, like, I don't think it works. I think it does work. My doctor said it works. My doctor say it doesn't work. It's, it's to me like a seatbelt. Like, it, it doesn't hurt to have it on. You know what I mean? And and it does work in certain circumstances to me. And you know, it's one of those things where I think you can't prove they do or they do not work conclusively. But if I'm hitting my head on the ground, I'd rather have one on. <laughs> For <know>? sure. <laughs> and, and I think the biggest thing, a lot of misconception. Uh-huh. Um, he said, she said. Uh, my doctor this, my doctor that. Yep. Um, but what I do know is that it doesn't hurt to have one on. I mean, if it reduces, is there any, ch- if there is a chance that it's going to help, 
like a seatbelt or anything else, yeah. then why why not is yeah. kind of my my thing. And there are guys out there that think the same thing, but there's also some haters that that say no way. Um, I'm not wearing that thing around my neck, but they're yeah. basing it off of old technology and old information and neck braces in general have come a long ways, a long ways since yeah. the first Liat came out. Um, you know, our brace, the A-Star brace, uh, the new Liat brace, they're all come a long ways. Yeah. They're light. They're, you know, lots of mobility, yeah. flex, adjustability. It's not that big toilet seat that used to be around your neck. Yeah. I feel like the first gen Liat was the first one on the market. I put one on with a helmet one time, and I totally understood how guys could not like it. It did feel like it was right up against your helmet. It kind of impaired movement a little bit. Some guys were taking it off because they, they helped them clear jumps at supercross tracks, things like that. But the Atlas one and the new Liat, which I'm not as familiar with, A-Star, smaller, yeah. compact, lots of room in the helmet, doesn't affect you when you're riding like the other ones did. Like, there's no real reason to not have it on in terms of riding comfort. It doesn't weigh anything, it, you know, like, if, exactly. like you said. Yeah, and I mean, neck braces aren't for everybody. It all depends on your body shape. And, you know, if, if a dude's out there and has, like, a really short neck and is a bit more stocky, let's say Jeremy Martin, for example, mm -hmm. yeah, he's going to have a tough time wearing one or getting comfortable with one because he doesn't have a lot of room from his helmet to his shoulders. Mm -hmm. So when you're adding something in between there, yeah, it's going to reduce your mobility a little bit, but... Um, you know, we're constantly working to make improvements. It's tough because the the helmet companies keep making the helmets come lower and lower. Yeah. So in return, we have to make the braces lower and lower. And yeah. uh, I mean, the, you know, all the testing and, and whatnot, I mean, the stats show that, yeah. you know, there is uh, definitely a reduce in the in everything. So. Yeah. The, uh, and the Atlas one, too, you guys have sent it off for independent testing, so it's not like you're doing your own testing. Nope. Send it off independently for tests on, on like what you were telling me a little bit about. They're kind of gnarly, yep. you know, with um, with helmets and braces on and what the impact are and everything else. And, and everything that you guys see independently says it works. It works, yeah. And, I mean, it's a touchy subject, so you have to be careful with what you can show and yep. whatnot for liability reasons. But the guys that are believers. Yeah believe till the day that they stop racing and yeah. uh you know our job i guess is to keep making a better brace and and get some more guys and and just kind of get our story out that's all it is every day is a is a battle to just share our story yeah and our feelings and uh it's working it is that's good yeah sales are good and everything else and what you told me too like when you do a lot of brace counts at races you'll see uh peewees 80s novices c-classes yep. they got braces on Lots. and the older guys that were maybe rating before braces came out so like you know like they came around early 2000s mm -hmm. let's say those guys aren't wearing braces no but they're also not wearing chest protectors no exactly <laughs> so yeah i mean it's uh at the amateur level locally and nationally i mean we go to big events loretta's and in canada we go to walton and stuff and we're doing brace counts and the numbers don't lie i mean we always say whether it's our brace or not a neck brace is good to see out there it shows that the market's still alive and, and doing well. So, um, like I said, we just got to get the get the story out there and, and keep plugging away. And there's days that are frustrating. But yeah. uh, but there are also days when you get emails and letters or the old braces back to Atlas Brace. And people are like, this thing saved my life. For sure. Saved me and, from being a chair. Yeah. And, and, I mean, that's always good to see. You know, you get an email and the guy's telling a story about, you know, crazy crash and the brace broke and you know my doctor said this and maybe the doctor's not 100 percent right but all i know is that yeah. the dude still be able to write an email and share his experience and that's yeah. all you can really ask for you ride with one um obviously you work for atlas brace so it's not gonna just be one big long commercial for them but do you ever notice it 
Do you, I, does it, I mean, there's straps to hold it down. Some guys like the straps, some guys don't. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I wore the brace before I started working for them. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I wore an old Leap back in the day. I switched the Alpine Star. Um, and then I stopped for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then the Atlas came out, and it was a totally new design. Um, low profile, and it was light, and didn't really notice it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. even to this day, I mean, the new Air Brace, it is really light. Yeah. And I don't wear any straps. Some guys do. Some guys don't. It's all yeah. preference. But um, it really is super light, and you don't notice it even bouncing around. How much of your job is hurt by pro riders taking them off, any brand? Or Chad Reed's gone on. He's a vocal critic of neck braces. We know Ryan Hughes, the ex-pro racer, has Talk, called them bear traps on Twitter. <laughs> How much does that hurt you guys? I mean, these guys, you know, people want to do what the pros do, right? And for so, sure. I mean, it doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, when you get the Reeds and the Ryan Hughes and guys like that, you know, they're respected people in yeah. the industry, um, and people listen. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, sales are still going good, um, so it doesn't affect it that much. But for sure, there's definitely some, you know, negativity there that we're always wishing that we could, you know, wave a magic stick and, yeah. and change those guys into believers. But uh, yeah. we got to pick and choose our battles and, yeah. and like I said, keep, you know, relaying our message and, and getting it out there. I mean, we do have guys in Supercross. We have guys that win Supercrosses. Yeah. we got guys that win Canadian Nationals. we got guys that win Arena Cross, yeah. um, some GP guys. So, I mean, we got – it would be great to have everybody, yeah. but it's not realistic. So, yeah. I mean, if we can gain one new guy a year – I think that's good. Yeah, and I think you guys, Liot and A-Star, probably the three biggest yeah, ones, would you say? for sure. Over in Europe, there's some other ones. Yeah. Ortima, um, they're big over there. Yeah. Um, probably bigger than Liot is, like in the GP yeah, scene. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in, in the U.S., I mean, we got, you know, Anderson, Wilson, Davalos. You know, we mm -hmm. got a good group of guys, Gavin Faith, Kyle Chisholm. Um, and some privateer guys, Chris Howe, Lawson yeah. Bopping from Australia. So, I mean, there's six or seven guys yeah. that, that all have some, you know, credibility to them and right. and uh, do a good job for us. Now, you yourself, uh, former pro racer, like we said, and a pretty fast one at that, just riding the Arena Cross Series and three Canadian Nationals and whatever kind of races you can make money at now, right? Pretty much. <laughs> um, but you have really, like, I mean, we bug you about retiring and new beginnings and you retired one time with a spotlight on you and tears at a arena cross. Journey plan. Journey was playing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, it was yeah. emotional. But now you're back racing. So, like, you, you can't <laughs> – like, well, you had a serious knee injury. Yeah. You hurt your knee um, at Glen Helen. 2008, yeah. Riding uh, – you were riding for – were you working for Valley then or no? No, no. I was still oh. racing full time. Okay. And I was down um, getting ready for the season. It was okay. actually the winter yeah. of 2009. Just came off the Canadian Arena Cross Series, won the championship. Mm -hmm. um, was down spending some time with Sean Hamblin and Grant Langston. Oh, pounding motos um, at Glen Helen because Hamblin didn't really ride a whole lot. So yeah. GL was my riding <laughs> partner a little bit. And, uh, yeah, just one of those things. Day, A great day turned into a terrible and day. and Literally a year and a half. Oh, long, longer than longer that? Longer than that. I mean, seven surgeries in basically three years yeah. I, didn't, I didn't ride. You got an infection at some yeah. point due to some sutures. Yep. You had an, just a regular infection too, right? Or yeah. were they always because of the sutures? Well, the sutures were, were a big part of it, but yeah. I just had a regular staff yeah, infection regular at staff one infection. point. Broken kneecap. Um, broken knee, shattered kneecap and torn uh, IT band and tore my quad muscle completely off. It was a mess. Yeah. It was a yeah. mess. And I, I probably didn't take the best care of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was at a bit of a dark time in my life. I mean, I knew it was 
my racing days full time and making money were yeah. over. Yeah. Gonna have to get a real job. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know where I wanted to live. Yeah. Had no there's, money. There's always that uh, transition when you quit as a pro rider and you wonder what's next. Mm-hmm. We've certainly seen some guys in our sport go down dark roads and never be, come back, and other guys kind of hang on a little bit. If there's any sort of silver lining, it almost made your decision to, you know, not be a full-time motocross racer. Oh, easy. Because mm-hmm. you couldn't. You were off for so long. You, you tried being a mechanic for Hamblin a little bit. Yeah. You worked for the Valley Yamaha team with that Jimmy Albertson. Yeah. Maybe Regal was there. I don't know then. but No. Okay. Uh, no, Regal wasn't there. Kyle Summers was yeah. there. Hamblin, Jimmy Albertson. Right. Yeah. So, like, you, you just, you, you, you almost were like, okay, well, I have to do something now. And now you're happily settled in an Atlas and Matrix concept, concepts and everything. But yeah, it's, you know fu- what I mean? it's funny yeah. how it all works right. out. I mean, because uh, be, let's say you don't hurt your knee. Yeah, I would have hung on for you would have hung on too long and, and maybe, you know, been a top 10 guy in Canada, sure. but you're not making any money. You're no. trying to find a ride. No. It maybe would have, it was, you know, it was bad. It was time. I mean, honestly, even even in 08, I rode, I dropped down from being. 06, 07, I was on 450s with Suzuki in Canada. I had two pretty good years. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of was searching in 2008. I had no ride. Ended up dropping down to the lights class, um, which really didn't suit me. But ended up getting a couple podiums, and yeah. it was okay. Yeah. Um, was going to be the same deal going into 09. Probably at a little bit less of a level, more of a dealer level. And I was hanging on. I had no yeah. money. I yeah. was making money on the weekends, but it wasn't enough to do anything. Um, still living at home yeah. half the time. And yeah. like I said, no money. It was, it was probably a blessing because if I didn't get hurt, I would have went out that year and still would have been a top 10 guy with, yeah. Hey, there's still a little bit of hope yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. what can I get for next year? And it would have drug on too right. long. But now like, so you've got a full-time job and that kind of sucks for a racer where you have a full-time job, but at least like you, you, you like the owner, Brady Sharon and Rick Sharon's involved. Yeah. Uh, Brad McLean, like you're friends with these guys, you yeah. raced against them. Um, so it's a nice working atmosphere. You have an office. Yeah. No, you don't. Wait. No. You don't have an I have office. Have a fake office. You have a fake office. Yeah. They have offices. Yes. Yes. Uh, sometimes, but sometimes you close your imaginary door. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you know, like you slam like, it. Yeah, I you slam, slam it. it. But like you, you. Um, so you have that job, but you're still racing like some uh, Canadian Nationals. You're like still like almost a top ten guy. Yeah. Um, and well, then you do these arena cross series where you race against a lot of Pac West guys up in Canada, yeah. Pacific Northwest guys. And you kill it. You make like a nice little chunk of change. Yeah. Like it's a nice – you're still racing in a way. And it's weird because I honestly and all the people that are close to me um, say you're better now than you ever were as a rider. Which is nuts, Which right? is nuts, but it all makes sense when, you know, we see – my story can transfer over into really anybody else that is a struggling guy in the U.S. or wherever because yeah. I didn't appreciate what I had when I was growing up. I took it all for granted. Yeah, yeah. I figure, you know, it's never going to end. I'm always <laughs> going to have support. I'm always going to have free this. Um, I don't, I'm not in shape, but whatever. I'm still going to get a ride. It's no big deal. But that time off really changed my outlook mm. on life in general. And I do believe I became a better person for yeah. it. Um, I spent a lot of time with some good people and some bad people and kind of learned what it was yeah. like to live life. and like grow up, right? Kind yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. yeah. And I, I think the turning point for me was... I was struggling along working at a dealership and I'm like, man, this kind of sucks. And I don't know if this is for me working Saturdays. And it was just weird. I wanted to be still involved in the races. Right. And when I hooked up with Kyle Keast and John Nelson in 2012, um, they're both a bit crazy. Wrenching. yeah, Wrenching. And Nelson's a bit crazy. um, And Keast is a bit crazy, like as hardworking, down to earth. um, The harder you work, 
the better result you're going to get. And mm -hmm. I learned a lot from both of those guys. Yeah. And when I got the opportunity, when Keith broke his femur, to ride, I literally had not rode a dirt bike in three years. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I was like close to 200 pounds, um, out of shape, had no desire to even think about riding. This yeah. opportunity came up, and I said, well, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, so your rider you're working for, for people who don't know, top 10 Canadian dude. Well, we were sitting third in points oh, when, you were? He, when okay. he broke his femur. Third yeah. in points. He breaks his femur at round three. Round three? Two. Round two, breaks two. his femur. That doesn't even count. You're sitting third in points, by the way. Uh, we oh, went anyway. four, four, four DNF. Broken leg. Yeah. Okay, so. anyways. So in a weird, like, only could happen in Canadian moto st story, you – Get the you you tell ask everybody if you it's okay if you race and like at well round... I didn't ask oh I didn't I I didn't even cross my mind I was already on the phone on the Monday actually it was a Sunday because it was a Saturday national yeah. saying who can we get to ride the bike yeah, I mean yeah. I want to keep going I yeah. mean I had a lot invested into it I moved I packed all my stuff up yeah moved to the East Coast again and lived with those guys and put a lot of work into the bikes and learned a lot and uh, it wasn't even my idea I wanted to get a fill-in rider okay and John Nelson said well why don't you ride the bike? And I was like, are you drinking on a Sunday here, man? Like, yeah. he's like, give it a shot. The bikes are there. The parts are in place. Yamaha's cool with it. Yeah. It'll be a great story. It'll be a great story. We'll get you some gear. X-Brown goggles. Talk to Mathis, get some goggles. Yeah. You hooked me I, up. I'm sure Nelson really said that. Talk to Mathis. I said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Anyways. I was like, who's going to give me free goggles? Mathis will mm. give me free goggles. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a, a terrific publicity for yeah. us. So, uh, yeah. And I literally... Went out to the track on that Sunday um, with Keith's bike, Keith's gear, Keith's yeah, yeah. riding shorts, knee braces, helmet, everything, and I could do three laps. Yeah. <laughs> and they were good three laps, yeah, but yeah. it was it was right. bad. And uh, basically, I went to the next two How rounds. How many times have you ridden? You said, you said barely ridden in three years. Yeah, I mean, I literally... What are we talking? Five times? Five times. Five three, times yeah, yeah. of just a few laps right. here and there, right, whatever. Right, right. I mean, I didn't have my own knee braces or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, you know, I went and I went to the next two rounds, which I didn't race. I rode the amateur day, yep. rode vet class mm -hmm. and, you know, did a few gate drops, got back to Ontario, a three week break. And literally I ran every day, um, <laughs> went to the gym, yeah. did 30 minute motos at this beat down sand hellhole with right. John Nelson. He'd ride. Oh, the, he'd love it. Yeah. He loved it. He'd ride with me. Yeah. Um, he'd ride an old 125, uh, two stroke and be like, you're going to stay out here until you're out of gas. And like mickey from rocky and like it was cool because i could see the gains it was good i yeah. basically started at nothing and was working up and then you know i had those three weeks and i made a lot of progress in three weeks don't get me wrong i was not in shape yeah and went to go for dunes and started second in the first moto and faded to 14th or 15th yeah. and whole shot at the second moto Get on the podium for that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think you got like 15th overall. And you were back. You were back raising. Like nothing ever changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing ever changed. It was fun. And then, you know, a couple rounds later, I, I you know, I struggled, didn't struggle, but I, I rode around in the top 15 and then yep. came to the second to last round. I got top 10 overall at uh, Sandalee. Yeah. Um, with, uh, with like a 10 8. Yeah. And Walton, uh, I got six in the first moto. Yeah. It was unreal. Right. And um, I got 11th the second moto. I crashed, but. Uh, yeah. It was crazy. Right. Yeah. It's a nice little deal. But I still had no desire to be like, okay, I'm back. Right. Everything's good. Going around and talking to teams at the end of the yeah. last round. Like that yeah. wasn't an yeah. option. I mean, it was a fun opportunity. Yeah. It's a really cool story for sure. And, and people, were, you were the underdog. People were loving it. Media was yeah. loving it. It was, it was a nice little story. You're a friendly guy. You're a nice guy. Everybody yeah, thought it was, it was really awesome. Kind of a little yeah. bit of a feel good story. Yeah. And, 
Um, and now you race these arena crosses in the first three rounds, and yeah. it's a nice little side gig. It's it's fun to challenge myself. I mean, even to do the nationals, it was always cool to, um, you know, not do a whole lot in the off season, and then uh, you know a month before the first round, start doing some thirty minute motos yeah. and. Just to say that I can still do it. I mean, this year doing them wasn't a whole lot of fun. It was really hot on the West Coast this year. And I said to myself after uh, the last round that I did, I'm like, man, I'm going to stick to the amateur yeah, days because yeah. I, don't, I don't need to do it anymore. Um, getting 15th and 14th is still cool, but uh, it, uh, the amount of prep that still needs to go yeah, into yeah. it, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it still is. Yeah, I can still race arena cross and be competitive with right. putting in a, you know, a little bit of effort and um, and have some fun and make some side money on the on the on the side this uh the canadian series themselves a little bit of controversy is going on right now so the cmrc they booted walton from the series they booted sandalee from the series coincidentally those two track owners were major parts of the promoters group getting together a couple years ago mm -hmm. to help uh unify enforce uh things with all the tracks of the series yeah i'm sure that was just a coincidence Sure, yeah. We have yeah. nothing to do with anything, right? Yeah, yeah. So they, they're out of the series. Uh, CMRC has picked up RJ's up in Barrie yep. and uh, another round in um, Nova Scotia. Or Nova Scotia. Yep. yep. Mitch Cook's track. Mitch Cook's track out there. Yep. And then they also they opened up a shit storm, which I correctly predicted three years ago would happen with the 252 stroke rule. <laughs> it's um, not complicated at all. Yeah, not complicated <laughs> at all. Like... So Benoit has won, Kevin Benoit, KTM team has won the last two. Won 250 MX titles on a 252 stroke, which are legal in that class in Canada. But mm -hmm. now everyone else threw a fit. Again, something I said would come uh, when your three of your partners don't make that bike anymore. Yep. And now they change the rules to you only have, you have to have a Canadian passport to ride a 252 yeah. stroke. And you can't be on a factory team or a certain team, a certain level of team, right? Yeah. Well, the bike has to be like pretty much bone stock. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of any modifications within the motor. That was last year. That was, yeah. So now they've carried that over. Yeah. The bike can, they're basically, soon it'll be, the bike has to be stock. Yeah. You cannot ride for a, a, a level team. No. You have to be a Canadian citizen. Yeah. You have to be blonde hair and you have to be missing a left pinky finger. And have a white van. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, without rims. Without rims. You're allowed to ride it. And like, one, one sticker on the back window. I don't. What's the bigger shit show? The kicking the Sandalee and Walton. Walton is a massively popular Trans Canada Amateur Nationals. Mm -hmm. Think Loretta Lynn's of Canada people. Um, what's the bigger shit show? Those rules or kicking those two, two tracks out? Which decision could possibly be worse? Well, I think. Honestly, the the track decision in, in my eyes is the is the worst. I mean, those were two of the best tracks for yep, one. I yep. mean, all the tracks in Canada aren't known to be the best ever. There's yep. other tracks we could be going to, but Walton and Sandalee were you know at the top of the list along with some other ones. Yeah. But uh, you know the the Walton thing, you know, a thousand amateur entries are there for the national. Um, you know, like it's it's yeah. a big deal. Yep. All the OEMs support it. All the big sponsors. You know, Parts Canada, all these big deals, and mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, nope, we're not going there. Um, He's going to have CMRC is going to have their own amateur nationals. Yeah, yeah, and East and West or something. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I just don't. Uh, now Walton's going to have an own race. They're going to have a big money race at the the weekend after the final CMRC final, race. Yeah, and still have their yeah. amateur deal during the week. It's, it's it's weird. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's weird, and I don't know if it's like it's politics. It's got to be, and I don't know <clears throat> if you know. Our fearless leader, Stally, was like, felt threatened by these two tracks. I mean, 
the guys that are involved with Sandley and Walton are, like you said, they're they're big players in the in the game yep. in Canada. And I don't know if that had something to do with it or what what not. I mean, I'm sure Staley has his own opinion on it. And well, his his official reasoning for doing that was the rock star requested well, the series be closer to major metropolitan areas. But here's the here's the weird yes. thing. One of the title sponsors of the Walton Transcan Amateur Week is Rockstar. Rockstar. And here's another weird thing. Sandalee is uh, 30 minutes from Ottawa. Yeah, it doesn't get much closer no, than that. No. I mean, um, I so mean those reasons, Kamloops is 45 minutes from the airport. Yeah, I so mean, those reasons are really complete bullshit. It's yeah. politics. It's it's the stuff that's been happening in Canadian motocross for a long time. It goes yeah. back to a motocross the nation's team, which has nothing to do with Mark. No. But it's politics and shittiness over on the CMA side. Yeah. It's like we as Canadians can never keep our stuff straight. It We're, can never just be... The, mo- the motocross community in Canada is really small. I mean, in yeah. the grand scheme of things, Canada is a big country, but small, you know, motocross population. Yeah. And we're trying to act like we're this big, ginormous place with unlimited amount of riders and, and all this fragmentation when we all need, I mean. How about we just all work together yeah, to be the best we can? And, that, and that's just it. And yeah. It's never been that way, and I'm sure it will never be that way in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, it's a shame because all these, like, you know, the CMRC, they do have their, their strong points. You know, Mark has a strong. He's got the TV package for the Nationals, and it's all that's all cool. But then, you know, just help everybody else out. Like, there's no scratching. No, no. They're back to no, scratch mine. You know, it's no. It's no. The rising tide raises all ships is a phrase that Mark Stallybrass has never heard. No, never no, heard. Right. He's only heard. Let me take as much as I can from myself. Yeah. And hopefully these teams keep showing up. Yeah. It's a terrible move by him. Fingers crossed. The, the two-stroke rule was terrible. It was it was used, in my opinion, to uh, artificially inflate entries that were falling. Kind of. And he wanted, and then you know, along with letting intermediate riders ride. The, the two-stroke thing doesn't bother me that much because, I mean, yeah, it's Mickey Mouse and it makes the series look like a joke, but there's <laughs> it not, doesn't bother me that much, but it makes us look like a joke. But there's not a lot of dudes riding them right. anyways. Right. I mean, it just happened to be. That the guy that won the title the last two years yeah. raced it a full year last year and a half a season the year before. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Benoit was going to win on any bike. He, yeah. That's my opinion. Right. He was the best of the best. He would have won yeah. on a two-stroke or a four-stroke, modified or non-modified. Canadian Nationals aren't like the U.S. Nationals. You don't need a $25,000 motorcycle to go racing and be competitive. Yeah. You need to just have a solid program and prepare yourself. And you will win. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's brutal. It's weird, but I mean, the privateer side of it, there's not a lot of guys riding them. I mean, a few guys here and there, but it's not that big of a deal. But it's still Mickey Mouse and half ass. It is. It really is. Our Ryan, uh, the new Flockhart on the Racer X podcast. Listen to this commercial from Race Tech Suspension. Use the code PulpMX2016 to save money at Race Tech. And also, um, Michelin Starcross 5, new tire for those guys at Michelin. We'll be right back. We'll get to the J-Law years of, of Noof and, uh, here on the RacerX Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX Podcast presented by Fox Racing. Race tech people, racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with race tech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you eh, probably 
82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in the Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com, and they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. and. What's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelins uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so... Mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage. And normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit. But this, uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, key for reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out, the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. And we're back. Steve Mathis here on the RacerX Podcast, presented by Fox Racing, foxhead.com. Thanks to Race Tech and Michelin also for coming on. Ryan, the new Flockhart from Atlas Brace is in here. Oh, uh, Matrix Concepts, also Canadian started company, I believe, right? Or is it more Eddie Cole and yeah, his sons, more, Chad and Cameron? More on the okay. U.S. side. With, with how's, how's that going? It's been good. I okay. mean, Matrix has been a solid, uh, solid brand for us. I mean, we're kind of unique. We're in a very niche market for what we, um, what we offer for products. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we do well with it. Um, support all the race teams and stuff. And... Um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, hey, one of the things, when I've known you for a while, but I didn't always really like you, but yeah. I didn't know you, but I judged you a little bit. That's fine. We we, we, we run in the same circles, Canadian motocross, obviously. I came around. Uh, you came down here a little bit. You were racing Supercross. You did, how many rounds of Supercross did you do? Well, I did just about every round in 2006. Okay. <clears throat> I missed the first one and I missed the last two. Okay. Just so, yeah. because of how it worked out yeah. and timing and stuff. And then I did a couple in 07, um, obviously did the Canadian rounds yeah. of the, you know, the in 04, yeah. 04 and 05. No mains for you. 
Well, Maine's at the World Rounds. We're at Maine's yeah. at the World Rounds. Third, third in Toronto. Third in Toronto. Nathan Ramsey, Bobby Canary. And, I still and got the... Ryan Lockhart. Yeah, I still got the... Um, but you came close many times. Man, yeah, lots yeah. of times yeah. close to the Maine's in the U.S. Just, um, you know, wasn't... Uh, but here, a little more in me. It yeah. would have been cool. Here's why I never really... I didn't, it's not that I didn't like you. I just didn't want to really bro you down. Because I heard you were living with J-Law... Brian Mills, yeah. and I know what those guys are all about, and I didn't know you, and I'm like, oh, he's just one of those dudes. Yeah. Like, I don't really, he's not really, you know, he's one of those guys. Yeah. Well, the misconception was. Did you get that, though, from people? Um, no, because all the people, I guess we'll get into it more, but all the people I was hanging out with were guys like them. I mean, I was. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't living with Jay Lauer Mills. Yeah. I was living with Hamlin. You first met Hamlin because Hamlin raced in Canada. In Canada. Right. So we became buddies. And obviously, you know, Hamblin always wanted to help me out. Yeah. And I was like a little brother to him and all this stuff. And You were in his wedding? I was in his wedding. Yeah. Um, and we were buds. I mean, really good friends. Yeah. And so I would spend, I spent the winter in 05 um, and 06 living at his house, um, which just happened to be about five houses down from J-Law and right. Mills. Yeah. So obviously I became friends with those guys. This those guys like, were all on Rockstar. Yeah, this is Rockstar Suzuki. Yeah, when years. it first kind yeah. of came Bill's out. Pipes, Bill's Rockstar. Pipes, yeah. yeah. Um, so I became friends with those guys. Yeah. And that's how it kind of all got started. Right. Um, I was a small town boy from, you know, Nova Scotia. Yeah. Um, and I knew that these guys were a little bit of trouble, but it was still yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And they were helping you. And you helping. Could, you could ride with them. And, and that's how it kind of all started is <clears throat> I would – go to the track with these guys and it wasn't easy back in 05 and 06 to ride supercross tracks um unless you had a hundred bucks to go ride yeah. at comp edge for the day um so i would go to these guys tracks we would go to michael lopeglia's track and mm -hmm. we would go to the rockstar track and and we would ride for free at comp edge and i mean it was a great opportunity for me to hang out with these guys for the simple aspect that they had connections, and they were, you know, it was fun. I was learning from them, and, I mean, they were my friend, Like, they are mm -hmm. my friends. Yeah, Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess the misconception is is I didn't do the crap that they were getting into after yeah. after hours. I was there. Yeah. And hanging out. You, you must have had And I wasn't so, completely innocent. But yeah. You must have had so many shake-your-head moments where you were just like, I cannot believe. J well, at that time, J-Law wasn't winning the title. It was rocks, but he was still very good. Mills was good. Yeah. And you're just like, wow. Yeah, I mean, these guys were big players in the game and, yeah. you know, young and, and had rides. Too much and money. Too much money and, and probably not spending it in the right places. But there was – it was an interesting – a lot of life experience. <laughs> uh, wow, this is awesome, but yet probably shouldn't be going on. Yeah. Um, and and J-Law liked you because you went riding with him and you could load, load and unload the bike. That's right. J-Law yeah. never loaded or unloaded a bike. No. No, I mean, that was kind of the deal. It was he never wanted to drive or he didn't have his license or there was some, like, there was a lot of stories. So yeah. some of them are kind of a bit <laughs> foggy to me. But, um, yeah, we would go riding together quite often. Yeah. Um, and we'd take my truck and I would drive. And, yeah, I mean, he would help out. It was cool. And I don't want it to sound like I was using these guys because I wasn't. But yeah. I was, it was definitely benefiting me and it was cool. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And they liked me because they you know, we yeah, they love Canadian nationals. Canadian nationals on TV. That was one of our nightly things to do. Was you know, <laughs> hang out and and watch Canadian nationals. Sometimes it would take hours to get through because we'd be rewinding, 
can't believe this moment or listen to these announcers and right. I mean it was a, it was a good time and you were on the screen a lot and I was yeah I was pretty relevant in those years yeah, in the yeah. nationals so <laughs> um yeah that's kind of how it all got started yeah but it's funny that you're kind of guilty by association right away a little bit well yeah. for me I knew what I knew people who were represented by Scott Sepkovic yeah and they told me stories some I knew a guy who used to live there for a while yeah. a rider who used to live there he told me stories and so when I heard, like, yeah, Noof's living with J-Lock, because you did live with them, or you never lived with J-Lock? I never lived with okay, them, but I was there, there almost yeah. every day. Yeah. I think I heard you lived with them. But, oh, okay. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, God, like, I already know Noof, this Noof's guy story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And I and I came, I always had a to find bit out, of, you know, I had a bit of a bad rap anyways, because I was always the you dude. You did like to party I like to go to the after parties, you man. Did? It was, yeah. And I would party, and, you but know. But the funny thing is, is my experience at Canadian Nationals, almost everybody was at the after parties. Just about, yeah. yeah. And that was, that was the thing. It was just yeah. that some people were more loud and vocal than yeah, other, and I was yeah. one of those guys. Right, but other the top three guys were there I mean, or whatever. It, in you know. Calgary, it would be very uncommon if you didn't see Blair Morgan, John Sebastian Wild, Darcy Lange. Yeah. All these guys would be yeah. at the after party. Have a beer in the hand of, and be at the after party. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, exactly. Yeah. By the end of the um, night, everybody was dancing. So at some point, some of them without shirts. Some, not many, but yeah. a few. Um, at some point, you told a story. J-Law decided to get a riding coach. Yeah. He 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 really decided to get a riding coach. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he was like he was struggling whether it was well, it was a combination of the things. The bikes weren't bikes great. were yeah. were not good. They were no. breaking all the time. Um J-Law was struggling. He was getting the heat put on him. Um you know, results need to come. And let's face it, results weren't going to you weren't going to go from being a not making the main the one weekend to winning the next weekend. And yeah, that's yeah. what they wanted. Yeah. That's yeah. what they wanted. So he got the heat put on to basically hire a riding coach, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's kind of where well, that's what he was going to do. So he got he hired Jeff Emick, yeah, riding coach, and uh, I didn't know anything about this. And um, Jason says on a Tuesday night, "Hey, we're going to go to Comp Edge tomorrow morning. Um, you pick me up and drive. Yeah. yeah, no problem. Love to." So I get in the truck, load we load the stuff up. You load the stuff. Load up. the stuff up. Yeah, he's uh, getting ready, and. Uh, He's like, hey, we got to stop, pick Jeff Emick up. Well, to me, I'm like, yeah. I'm starting to like shake the wheel, dude. I'm yeah. like, what? Jeff Emick? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty big freaking yeah. deal. Right. So we roll into his place and pick him up and start heading up to the desert to go mm-hmm. to Comp Edge. And I'm just like super starstruck. I mean, he was a big deal, a kid that, or a guy yeah. that I always looked up to, yeah, sure. you know, as a young kid and a hero. So it was pretty cool and, you know, kind of small talk stories and this and that and you know, he's t- talking to Jason and kind of going through the program. I even need to work on this, whatever, whatever. So get to Comp Edge, and we get there, and track's mint, and everything's great. And, you know, get the stuff unloaded. And, and uh, you know, Jason, I can't remember exactly what the details were, but <laughs> it didn't go well, like, at all. It didn't go. Like, well, it was – there was some bad – like, it, he, he – He hunted Michael Lessie down. Yeah, and they got, they got into they got into it. Tony was yelling, and I want to say that was the day Mike and Jeff were there in football gear going to the whoops. And <laughs> he had them practicing whoops, but, whoops. but in football gear yeah, so they wouldn't get hurt. Going through and then turn around and coming back through, like doing the whoops both ways. And, I mean, really, I guess it was kind of smart. Like, yeah, they were hitting the ground and not getting hurt because yeah. they had this big football gear on. <laughs> um, so at some point, Jeff or Mike and Jason get into it. Yeah, and it could have been Jeff was involved too. Like, like I said, I, I can't remember. Things I, were I wouldn't happening. be surprised, right? Things were happening pretty quick, and I was just happy to be there and be part of it and everything. And then, yeah, so Jason's having a bad day, and, and he's not 
doing much, yeah. going through the motions. I mean, he he was struggling, not just on the bike, but yeah. in, in life, I believe, and right. and whatever. Um, so yeah, him and Jeff are not getting along good. Like it's not going well. Like this is they already worked together one day, right? Yeah, I think they were to get one or two times before yeah. that. Like yeah. this was very new, yeah, very new. And I don't think that was the first day, but there might have been one day before. And anyways, Jason's like, I'm kind of over it, and I'm not riding the rest of the day. Um, I'm gonna go and chill in the truck, and and that's just kind of what we're gonna do. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, man! Like, obviously the conversation is a little bit different, but um. I'm just like, this is kind of crazy. Like who is kind of basically telling Jeff Emick to his face that, you know, this isn't working out. And I'm like, well, I'm still going to do my laps. And Fro's kind of telling me a couple things. I'm like, this is, I mean, it wasn't much, but it was like, Hey, you look good in this section or or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be. But I mean, to me, I was just like, basically wanted to tell everyone, Oh, I got Jeff Emick as a riding coach, right? I think he kind of knew he might have him and J-Law were on the out. So anyways, the day finished up, rolling home, and Jason's not talking. He's in the back seat, and Fro decides he wants to go to Wahoo Tacos, and I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. we. So you and Fro went in. Yeah. Jay stayed in the truck. Yeah. And yep. you're eating, now you're eating Wahoo's Tacos with Jeff Emig. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. And it's far from Nova Scotia. Really far. And um, he said, why did they call you Noof? And I said, well, I kind of gave him this whole story, and you know, yeah. Newfoundland, everyone thinks it's close. He's like, "It's not even close. We're gonna call you Nova, yeah, not New." Right. So that was kind of cool. So he called me Nova a couple times, and I smiled and yeah, got goosebumps. And, and you had fish tacos. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what I ate, but I think I was probably so, nervous. So one and a half sessions, maybe two and a half, and it was over. Yeah, I, yeah. Like I said, that we dropped. You know, we kind of parted ways, and. Bro was I'm, like, am I getting fired? Yeah, I mean, I never went to pick him up again with Jason, so I kind of put two and two together, and, <laughs> and that was that was kind of the that was kind of the end of it. Well, so. he, but he had good intentions. Yeah, and I'm like I said, I, that was a there was so much that happened that day. I'm probably leaving out a couple small things, but that was the gist of the story right. that uh, you know always I'll always remember. Yeah, yeah, crazy. And yeah. Then, yeah, I'm sure you got some other stories that you probably can't share, but no, um, but I mean, like you know, the, the, Jay- all of them, all of them off the track. You're just like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have great opportunities here, but no guidance though. Yeah. And that's the thing, and you know, even myself growing up, I I had all the opportunities to be a successful racer, but I never had the guidance. And yeah. I I see this with a lot of these kids, and it might be different now. I'm not in the scene as much down here anymore, but yeah. I mean, what when you're paying a kid a quarter of a million dollars and you got them in a nice house in in Southern California with no father figure in the picture or no manager really in the picture, yeah. what the hell are you gonna do? It's weird because they just say, see you Saturdays. Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah. And whatever you're doing is is whatever. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, a responsible adult, older, you know, in their mid-20s will know what to do. Yeah. Or a guy with yeah. a really hard work ethic. Right. But Jason, when he came out of the amateurs, wasn't known to be the hardest working no, guy. And no, I mean, yeah, that's great if you're going to pay a guy that kind of money, but hire somebody to babysit him a little bit. And I know that sounds childish, but – yeah. But these kids needed guidance. And, you know, Jason was... Scott Sepkovic wasn't wasn't cracking the whip? He'd roll in once in a while with a nice vehicle and make sure everyone was having fun and make sure the fridge was full of Monster. Yeah, pretty pretty surprising uh, there. Yeah, I mean, I I think we can put two and two together on that. But, I mean, Jason was a really kind-hearted kid. Was he? Like, he was, like, generally nice and nice to a lot of people. But I think it got to the point where... People expected him to be a punk, 
Yeah, yeah. And yeah. don't get me wrong, he 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 had his moments for sure. Yep. yep. But I think that the level was raised, and if he wasn't, he I don't know if he liked the attention or what it was, but. You know, we talked no, about he, this a little bit. Like he's he, donated money to Asterix. He's yeah. done good things. Yeah. And I mean, but it felt like there always needed to be some sort of drama that people would feed off of. Yeah. And the circle of people that he was hanging out with to for him to go on. And it wasn't yeah. cool. And it wasn't good for anybody. And I mean, yeah, he did pull it together a little bit and won that title. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if he did pull it together. I wasn't around that year, but he made it work. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt the guy could ride a dirt bike and... And whatnot, but right. um, yeah, weird, weird, weird um, deal. I I had people who know him pretty well, and they're like, dude, I think he has like um, on top of he didn't help himself. A lot of poor choices, a lot of yeah. things done off the track. But they also said, I think he's got like psychological problems, like yeah. a um, a little bit of uh, uh nervousness, a little bit anxiety. of social anxiety. Yeah. You know? Oh, for sure. And I mean, I think. I think that had a lot to do the with hair it. covering the eyes, the looking down all yeah, the time. He, like he, the, he was a bit socially awkward for sure. And I yeah. don't know what his, you know, his home life was growing up. And I mean, yeah. that, that all has a lot to do with it. Right. I mean, you know, I think he needed some help. He needed somebody that believed him, you know, believed him and, you know, trusted and, and guided him in the right way. It would have helped. Yeah, no doubt. So crazy, crazy. Yeah. 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 And again, like, like you said, like, these guys were helping you become a professional motocrosser, as weird as that sounds. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, they they would help me out with giving me the opportunity to go to these tracks and, and help me out. I wasn't even going to go to San Francisco that year. And, and Mills is like, you got to go. You know, I'll help you out. And here's uh -huh. some money for gas. And, hey, you can stay in my hotel room. And um, I'll drive home with you after the race so you don't have to get another hotel. And, I mean, they were my friends. And I appreciate it to this day. And. You know, even even Hamblin. I mean, he he gave me a lot of good opportunities mm -hmm. to to stay with them, and and uh, I know that he thinks that I used them, but you know, oh, he thinks you used them. Well, I mean, yeah. I I don't I I get that gist, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you you offered up, and and I took advantage of it, and stayed with you, and was yeah. your friend, and yeah, yeah, let you abuse me and torture right. me, right? <laughs> Throw snakes on you, snakes on me, uh, airsoft guns, um, the list goes on. <laughs> Constant beat down. You can't go through the whoops. Your bike's no good. Yeah. Or your bike's fine. You're no good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I remember you racing Supercross, though. Yeah, you came close to a lot of mains, and, and you're a good rider. Still is a good, still are a good rider. Great, and, great you know. experience, though. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. change it for the world. Yeah, I mean, I never made any mains, and yeah. if I had made one main, it would have put me in a different league of what I am now. Yeah. I mean, every Canadian's dream is to yeah. make a main, and not a lot have done it. Well, a lot of Canadians racing Supercross over the years. Yeah. Not yeah. a lot of made mains, but quite a few. I was actually being joking. I was actually joking. Yeah. Well, back in the day, there was. There was. There was. Doug DeHaan, Blair Morgan, no. Fournette, you know. Our guys now, though. No. They're getting ready to get ready. Get ready to get ready to possibly have a preseason injury to get ready for next year. Yeah, the 10 rounds. And um, I scratch my head on it, and I know it's a touchy subject for a lot of people. The riders take it offensively. Um, it's no beat down against them. It's the way that the times have changed for racing in general, but nobody wants to race anymore. And I don't know why, th why that is. I think a little bit of his ego. I really think these guys make, okay, an average guy, top five guy, he's making 50 grand. Colton's doing well. The other guys are probably making 450. Yeah, but as soon as you get out of six plays, nobody's making any money. No, I know, but I'm saying these guys are like, I don't, why do I want to spend my 50 grand and go get beat? And that's, and that's a good point because they're taking that 50 grand and 
trying to make a living out of yeah. it. So I yeah. understand. These yeah. guys aren't 15, 16 years old anymore. Right. They have their own houses. They got wives or girlfriends or whatever. Right. Some have kids. Yeah. Um, I understand that point. But, yeah, I mean, it's not realistic for Colton Fasciati to pack up and say, I'm going to go race Supercross now. The time has gone. Yeah. He has a wife. He has a kid. He has a house. He has responsibilities. Um, and, well, maybe he's making enough money to be able to yeah, afford right. to dump yeah. 50 grand right. into his program. Maybe it'd be more. Maybe it'd well, be less. Well, he doesn't care at this point. No. and He's, I, he's, he's, he's quite he's comfortable. He's had his head a lot, and yeah, he, he doesn't need another injury. He's quite comfortable with doing yeah. it, and he's done a great job at it. But the other guys... Um, you know, Benoit, yeah. Um, maybe Jeremy Medaglia, yeah. Dylan Wright, Dylan Wright, Sean Moffenbeier. Yeah. I mean, these guys are working hard and they're they're trying hard. And you know, I've had this conversation before with Moffenbeier, and you know, he's down. He <coughs> comes down here to ride, never races. Yeah, and they complain. You know, there was a big thing about the insurance and stuff. So then Beaton charmed in on on and said, "Hey, it's not." ten thousand dollars to get insurance to go yeah. racing yeah. it's when you buy your cma license and your ama license you're kind of semi-covered or whatever the deal yeah, was yeah. i don't know the details right. but you know moff worked a full-time job when the nationals were right i don't know um maybe he just is comfortable with doing right. what he's doing and doesn't have but as a racer myself growing up i mean when i had the opportunity to go ride supercross yeah. I, I couldn't like yeah, right. I was like oh my god I'm going to the big show yeah yeah like uh, yeah this I gotta is, try this I gotta try it yeah and I I wasn't that great at it but I got better yeah, yeah. and then when I came back to Canada for that year I had my best outdoor year ever yeah I mean I raced all year round right um who's the next great Canadian rider that's maybe not racing pro right now you you have a better handle handle than I do is there one guy coming up that like we saw Casey Keese at the Monster Energy Cup yeah um is there a kid that like there's, him or him himself that you really think can do something? There's a couple kids. I, I really think um, there's a kid named Marco Canella, mm-hmm. um, Ontario kid, uh, great family, hardworking, um, won the schoolboy class at Loretta's this year. Yeah. Um, and that's a pretty big deal. Beats yeah. some big name guys. I like the name Marco too. Yeah, like Marco that. Canella. So um, he Sounds seen, like a dish too. Like, I love the Marco Canella. <laughs> Seems like he's on the right track. Uh, Casey Keese has all the talent in the world, just needs to, I want I, I question his work, work ethic. You know, he's not getting any younger. Um, there's another kid, Jake Piccolo, um, on eighties still, um, really, really fast, um, bit on the edge and a bit mm-hmm. squirrely, but if he can figure out how to contain his, um, yep. anger out on the track, yeah, then he'll yeah. do good. But, yeah. um, yeah, I wouldn't say the future's terrible. There's definitely some bright kids coming up, but we need to, we need a kid that like bypasses canada yeah and maybe marco could be the guy. maybe yeah i mean his parents are taking you know he does minios and all he, yeah. he's on the u.s path yeah, yeah, yeah. um but like your first year pro like go and race in the u.s don't get sucked into the canadian national deal yeah i believe that's what happened with dylan wright a little bit i mean he had you know signs of greatness and he still does but you know right off the get-go he does a deal to race in canada um, which yeah. isn't a bad thing, but you know he didn't have a great first year pro. Yeah. Um, and now he's just kind of there. Well, you know the way Mark's running things, maybe not be any nationals soon. Well, Gald- we c- Galdi will step up. Yeah, we could be running into like you know when the CMA went away and before Mark really went on, there was about three or four years, and that was my era. Yeah. Where JSR was basically forced down south. Yeah, and it was great for him. Though. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was a good thing. I mean, JSR came down here, made a name for himself, did really well. Um. And then came back and just 
worked everybody for five years in Canada yeah. and made a lot of money. Yeah. And now just kind of hangs out and runs a team. Like you, hanging out. Um, Pretty much. Thanks for doing this. Atlas Brace, yeah. Matrix Concepts. Thank you. Uh, Ryan, the new Flockhart. I think it's been fun. And uh, good luck with everything. And uh, thank you for uh, doing the Race Tracks podcast presented by Fox Racing. You are Fox Athlete up in Canada. Fox and Shift, yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. I wonder if I'll get a bonus from them, seeing as i got one of their guys on my Probably. On Hopefully the they don't cut my pay. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that'll do that. All right, thanks, Noof. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go on.